This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. Many of you from around the world have written in to ask me, what do you believe? What do you stand for? What is your motive? So I thought I would sum it up for you in this one single video. You see, watching a documentary that the History Channel made about the Bible last night, I came to a sobering conclusion. The world, though condemned by many of these cult leaders, the world understands the gospel of Jesus Christ more than these false teachers like William Branham. So many today have truly forgotten what the word gospel even means. I recently had a cult follower come over to my house to witness to me about the false prophet, and I made this statement to her. And oddly, she agreed with me, but blaming this on the pastors and not the false prophet. But then a shocking turn in the conversation totally astounded me. So I asked her, what do you think it means? And her answer in no way, shape, or form was even close to what the gospel of Jesus Christ even means. You see, these cult leaders, they do not teach the gospel of Jesus Christ that we find in scriptures. They teach a different gospel. Most followers of a cult leader, even those who have escaped, do not even know that they have replaced the true gospel with something else. Most of you listening will probably say, if we ask you what the gospel means, that it means power, or you'll associate it with some spiritual sign or wonder or even manifestation of the Holy Spirit manifesting itself in the church, you'll associate it with this word, which is partly correct, but you're forgetting the real reason for God sending His only Son. In the 1200 sermons recorded by William Branham, the real gospel is not proclaimed, not one single time. 
I've listened to every single sermon. Not a single time does William Branham tell people what the gospel is. We should not take this lightly. And while cult followers will tell you that we are to judge no one, they're not following Paul's instructions to the church. We absolutely are to judge false doctrine, especially about a different gospel. In this instance, Paul condemns not only the message, but the messenger. Galatians 1.8, he says this, But even if we, he's speaking of himself, Paul, even if we, or an angel from the heaven, should preach to you a different gospel contrary to the one we preached, let him be accursed. Paul doesn't say go lightly on him because we're not to judge them. Paul says, let him be accursed. Let's place ourselves in Paul's shoes. Let's follow Paul's instructions. Let's take these words and let's place the names of those who did this abomination into Paul's instructions. And let's see what we end up with. If William Branham or the angel that he claimed to have on the platform with him preaches to you any other gospel, we should condemn him. Now think about that. That's not a bad statement, though some of you just shook in your boots. Because it's true. If William Branham or the angel he claimed to have teaches a different gospel, then he is an abomination. So is the angel. Paul did not even distance himself from this statement. He says, if we, Paul, or an angel, preach a different gospel, let him be accursed. If William Branham or the angel that he claimed to have on the platform preach a different gospel, we should condemn him. If Joseph Smith or the angel he claimed to have met preaches to you any other gospel, we should condemn him. Now, it's funny, you're okay with that one because <laughs> that's Joseph Smith. We're talking about William Branham here, but it's the same exact thing. If Joseph Smith preaches the wrong gospel, well, let's, let's accurse him. If William Branham does, though, oh, that's God's prophet. <laughs> if any false teacher, if any false prophet, if any false leader, if any lying storyteller tells you any other gospel than what Paul preached and the Bible confirms, we should condemn them. So many of you have forgotten the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even among those who watch or read this, you've forgotten it, and we should remind you what the gospel is. It's not some new doctrine that we're coming up with. It is the words in the book. All you have to do is read it. We should remind you that the gospel of Jesus Christ does not start with signs and wonders. It flows through every page of the book from start to finish. Adam's race had fallen. The serpent had deceived Eve, and Adam sinned. Not Eve, as these false teachers would have you believe. She was deceived. Adam sinned, the father of the race. He broke the covenant with God. It doesn't matter what you believe about the fruit. The focal point of this story is that Adam disobeyed God.
whether it was an apple, an apricot, or whatever else you would like to picture in my mind to tell me that he did, it was the fact that he sinned, he disobeyed God. God made a covenant with Abraham after Adam fell. After sin entered the world, due to Adam's fall, God made a covenant that Abraham's seed would grow and flourish until it became like the sands of the seas. But Israel was young, oppressed, and taken into slavery. In his master plan, the Bible says that God appointed Pharaoh for this part of the story. He appointed Pharaoh, oppressing them into a broken-down people, oppressed and beaten down, and God sent Moses as their deliverer. Just as Jesus Christ would one day deliver us from our sin, Moses came with the help from God and delivered them from their slavery. But you see, mankind did not understand sin. Since the Garden of Eden, it had always been there. Sin was a part of life to them, and they did not understand the evil that sin brought into their lives. When the children of Israel had matured enough to understand, God had to show them of their sin. And so he sent the law. With the Ten Commandments, God gave instructions to the people. The most important, according to the New Testament, was to love God above everything else, and the second was to love each other as we love ourselves. But you see, they did not understand what did this entail? So the people sent Moses back up the mountain to get the entire Mosaic law that we have. You see, they needed rules and boundaries because they did not understand. But while Moses is up on the mountain speaking with God, they broke the commandment by making an idol and worshiping it right there. God was angry, but Moses pleaded with God on their behalf, just as Christ pleads with the Father on our behalf. God held back the curse of the law, giving Israel one more chance. You see, the law had two parts. It had a blessing if the people kept the commandments, and it had a curse if they broke the commandments. For the entire rest of the Old Testament, Example after example, history shows that mankind can never, never live perfect lives. Sin was molded into the nature of their being. And just as the people of today have forgotten the gospel of Jesus Christ, the children of Israel repeatedly kept forgetting about the law. Some humble servant would find the law reestablish the law, and then the cycle would start again. But each time, mankind failed God. They could not keep their part of the bargain. Over time, the love part was completely forgotten. The law became nothing more than just a set of rules. It's like the United States tax system of today. 
to the children of Israel, they were nothing more than boundaries. And men were established to study these boundaries and how much the people could give and get away with. They had forgotten the reason that the law was given, and the love was replaced with greed and selfishness. Each time they fell under the curse of the law until they had finally fallen so far that they could never fulfill the requirements that God had established in the covenant. The curse was their destiny. The blessings of the covenant were completely forgotten because they could never earn the blessings. They could never earn their way to salvation. They could not fulfill their part of the agreement. But see, God was patient. Though they did not love God at all, God loved them. The prophets started to proclaim that God would fulfill the part of the covenant that they could not fulfill and establish a new covenant with Israel. Their message was very simple. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Yes, a son, <laughs> making Mary his mother, contrary to these false teachers. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. For years and years, this prophecy was forgotten. Like the very reason for the law, the Redeemer, who would fulfill the law, was forgotten. But then it happened, a virgin conceived. John the Baptist, proclaiming the coming of Christ with a ministry that announced his arrival to all the people, John the Baptist started proclaiming that this was the coming Messiah, the one who would restore the fallen Israel. John's message was one of the kingdom of heaven that would soon be established, and how the hearts of men would return to the hearts of their fathers before the reason for the law was completely forgotten. The word gospel means the good news. It's a simple word. It's a simple meaning. It's basically an announcement that good news, something good has happened. John's message was the start of the good news, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was the message that Christ would soon be arriving to restore Israel to their blessings from God. Christ would come and fulfill the part of the covenant that they could not fulfill. And once again, Israel would be under favor in God's eyes. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all proclaim the good news that the Messiah came to earth. It gives examples of his perfect life, how he was able to fulfill the covenant without a single mistake. Even tempted in the desert by the serpent, Christ remained pure to the law. Not just keeping the boundaries, but displaying the perfect love that the law was created to impart. God became both God and man. Both creator and mother's child. So that he, God, 
could fulfill the part that man could not fulfill. But the story does not end there. Christ established the kingdom of heaven. And though he was the stone that the builders rejected, he was the foundation. While John proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, Christ gave many examples to show exactly how and when the kingdom would be established over time. And though they could not understand it, the kingdom was actually being established right before their very eyes. But you see, someone had to suffer and pay the penalty for the law. Mankind had failed, and the penalty was too great for the entire human race to pay. The penalty was death. If the entire human race paid the penalty, there would be no human race. It required a sacrifice greater than the blood of goats and lambs could atone. God had to sacrifice his only son. Christ suffered, and he died on the cross. This was the very worst way to die known to man at that time. Not only did Christ have to be nailed to a cross, he had to carry his own cross up that long path up the hill to carry the very thing that he knew he was going to be dying upon. He had to be beaten. He had to be bruised. He had to be tortured for each and every one of us. Christ had to pay each requirement for our sins with his own blood. For you and for I, he suffered and he died a terrible, horrible death. But he was God. The story does not end here. The gospel does not end here. While Branham's false gospel teaches that Jesus Christ died as just a man, William Branham claimed that God left him in Gethsemane. When he died on the cross, he was just a man. But the entire book, the entire book tells us that man cannot atone for our sins. Man could not save himself. The cult leaders and the false teachers that William Branham followed to get this theology would have you believe a different gospel. They would have you believe a gospel that cannot atone for sin. Jesus was God. He said, I and the Father are one. Christ, the Redeemer, the King, God died so that we can die with him. He conquered death so that we do not have to stay dead. He rose again so that we can rise with him. He sits at the right hand of the Father in his majesty on high. He is worthy of praise in his fullness not partially, as Branham and these other cult leaders do. The fullness of God dwelt in Christ. That part they get correct. But Christ went back to the fullness of God. 
he sits at the right hand of his Father. He does not sit at the right hand of himself. William Branham would have you believe this, but this is not what the scriptures say. He sent his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. He did not send himself, as William Branham would have you believe. When William Branham invented the verse, I will be with you, even in you, to the end of the world, what was he trying to do? He was trying to deny the fullness of the Godhead. He was trying to deny that Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father while the Holy Spirit dwells within our hearts. What he did was he snatched Jesus out of heaven and threw him back down to earth, just as Satan would have us believe. Satan is the one who would try to snatch Jesus out of heaven. William Branham, with Satan's ministry, did this. God sent his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And these three are God, but these three are one. William Branham tries to tell you that every church out there that believes the Trinity believes in three gods. And he lied to you. I'm here to stand today and tell you that William Branham lied through his teeth to tell you that the Trinity means three gods because there is only one God, one faith. And every church out there, except for some distant cults, believe that there is one God. They believe that Jesus Christ is God. They believe that the Father is God. They believe the Holy Spirit is God. And they believe that these three are one. He lied to you. Cult leaders, they deny the Holy Spirit that lives within the hearts of the people. Not only do they try to snatch Jesus back down from heaven, like Satan would do, they would train you to believe that you must have power to claim to have the Holy Spirit. They make the Holy Spirit some sort of great achievement instead of the gift that God has given us. Instead of the gift that these Gospels in the Bible proclaim, they want you to earn it. They will tell you that love for one another is, is not manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They will teach you that your real experience with God was just some sort of emotion. And that you need to continue seeking God to get the Holy Ghost. Remember the stories he tells about how when he was trying to receive the Holy Ghost, he went to all of these places. But oh, he didn't have it yet because he didn't have the power. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is by f grace that we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. It is grace. It is unmerited favor. There is nothing that mankind can do. According to the entire book, there's absolutely nothing that mankind can do to earn their salvation. It is a gift that God has given us. And if you've never had that experience and the Holy Spirit is not molding you, changing you into the perfect love that Christ taught, then you still need that experience. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not some great sign or wonder. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. It is not some power that can be bought or earned through our achievements. 
You're not going to play a tape on a nightstand and receive the Holy Ghost like some of these people tell you. This is the very thing that the people missed, the very reason God sent his son to the earth. This was the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was to show us that we could not achieve perfection by ourselves. The gospel of William Branham is one that we have to perfect ourselves to achieve this thing he calls rapturing faith. Branham had just enough knowledge of the Bible, just a little bit, just enough to know that man could never achieve this. He knew it. That's how he held you captive. By knowing just this little much about the Bible, to know that man could never achieve perfection, so he would try to set up milestones so that you could gain it. He was setting up a business that you could keep spending money to, and this powerful business has became a multi-million dollar, if not billion dollar business. By creating captives, while he lied to you about speaking things into existence, he knew that you would never be able to do it. Never. Not until Christ returns. Because this is a false gospel. This is not why Jesus Christ came to earth. This is not why the Holy Spirit was here on earth so that we could have rapturing faith. It was a gift that God gave to fulfill the covenant. Not to make the covenant greater and make the law stronger as William Branham taught. This was the gift that God gave to save the dying race of Adam. To Branham and his false gospel, let them be accursed.